Hello everyone and welcome to Murder Everywhere, a true crime podcast. I am your host, Noelia, and we would love to hear from you. So feel free to DM us on Instagram at Murder Everywhere with any feedback or even case suggestions that you may have. Everywhere is spelled just like how it is on our podcast name. So today we're going to be talking about the murder of Christine Fitzhugh and how it was no accident. She was found in a pool of blood at the bottom of her basement stairs and her husband infamously blamed her shoes for her death. But we're going to start at the beginning of this couple's relationship. Kenneth Fitzhugh, who went by Ken, met Christine Peterson in the summer of 1964, just after he graduated college, and they lived in San Diego. So Christine was only 16 at the time, and she was the daughter of immigrants from Denmark. And she had always been very musically gifted from a very young age. And because of this, her parents pushed her to just... I mean, past her breaking point, pretty much, they really were pushing for her to become a concert pianist. And this led to a lot of anxiety for Christine and her self-esteem also suffered a lot. She always felt like she would just fall short of the expectations her parents had with whatever she did. And she was a perfectionist, so she wanted to get it right, but she felt like nothing she did was good enough. And Ken was also a perfectionist like Christine, so it wasn't surprising that they ended up together. And I can imagine that it was some sort of escape for Christine from her current reality and her parents in general. To be with Ken was kind of a way to escape that. And two years later, in the summer of 1966, Ken and Christine got married. Ken was 24 at the time and Christine was 18. And they had a family friend named Robert Brown, who was a friend of both Ken and Christine's. And he would be around them a lot. They would go out on, I guess it wouldn't be like a date, but it would be the three of them, like Ken and Christine, they're a couple and their friend Robert Brown just kind of always tagging along. But they were like a little group of three that would just always hang out and do a bunch of different stuff together. And in 1975, Christine and Robert Brown actually started having an affair And it wasn't just a sexual affair. Christine was very emotionally wrapped up in this. So she got a P.O. box just to exchange letters with Robert and they would meet at least once a week. And to Robert, he believed that Christine was just not getting the emotional attention that she needed from Ken. And so I think Robert was really filling in that void for her. And during this affair, all three of them would still hang out just like they used to before except Ken was the only one unaware of what was going on, at least at first, because it is speculated that Ken knew that something was off at some point, but nonetheless, he continued to play dumb, and it's very likely that he may have been harboring some resentment and anger towards Robert and probably towards Christine as well. Um, But as far as they knew, Ken was still in the dark about everything. And then two years after the affair started, in 1977, Christine was pregnant with her first son. And her first son would be named Justin. And during this time, Robert was living in another city, but he made sure to fly into town for Justin's birth. And so there were just a lot of red flags that made it a little obvious that something weird was going on. And more specifically, that Justin was actually Robert's son and not Ken's. Uh, Robert even got Christine a diamond ring that she would wear with Ken's ring like at the same time. And so that's just pretty insane to me that that was their reality. I don't know that Ken was necessarily okay with all of this, but he definitely pretended that he was, which is 
pretty weird to me, um, but can maintain that he had no idea that Robert Brown was Justin's biological father or that Christine and Robert were having an affair. And then four years later, in 1981, Christine and Ken moved their family to Palo Alto, and they had their second son, John, around this time. And Christine was an elementary school teacher, and Ken worked in real estate until about 1987. He inherited some money, and he decided to quit his job and work for himself. And it's reported that during this time, he lost a lot of that money that he was investing, And during the same time, Robert Brown was living in another city, but he was abusing alcohol very heavily as things just continued to spiral in his professional life and his personal life. And by 1994, it's reported that his drinking was out of control, so much so that Ken and Christine even paid for him to go to rehab. But he ended up relapsing just a year later in 1995. And this is when Ken told Robert that he wasn't welcome to their home anymore. And that's kind of where they went their separate ways Um, but then five years later in January of 2000 Christine actually invited Robert to Justin's graduation and she told them that she was planning on telling Justin that Robert was his biological father but for some reason this didn't end up happening and Christine never did this and Robert never came back into the picture and stirred anything up from what we know because a few months later it's May 5th of 2000 that same year and both kids are already off at college and from what I could find Christine never got to tell Justin this and so it's unclear if she changed her mind or if maybe she talked about it with Ken and he wasn't on board all of that's not really known but it was on this day on May 5th that Christine had finished her music class at the elementary school she taught at and she had decided to go home to grade some papers before she had to go back for her next class and she ends up not showing up for her next class and this is just very unlike her so the staff at school are worried and they can't get a hold of her so logically they call her husband Ken and they let him know that Christine didn't show up for her 12:50 p.m class which again was very unlike her she never ever missed her classes So around this time, Ken was supposed to help two friends, Carol and Galen, to pick up some stuff in San Jose. And he arrives to pick them up at their place at around 1.30 p.m., the time that he told them he would get there. So he's there with his two dogs, and he's wearing black jeans, a plaid shirt, white socks, and brown leather shoes, like loafer-type shoes. And when the friends are in the car, he tells them about the school calling about Christine. And he asks if it's okay if they can go to their house and just stop by and see if everything's okay. So they say yes, and all three of them drive to Ken and Christine's house. And when they get there, they see that the front door was left slightly open and Christine's car is in the driveway. So Ken gets out of the car and he walks toward the door and the two friends are waiting in the car for him. And he goes inside and leaves the door wide open. And it's reported that he first ran up to the second floor and then came back downstairs, went a little more inside the house to the basement. And that's when he called for help. And when the two women come inside and go to the basement, they see him standing over Christine, who was just face down in a pool of blood at the bottom of the basement stairs. It's at this point that Ken tells them to call for help, so Carol goes to call 911 while Ken stays with Galen down by where Christine is laying. And they start trying to give her breaths, so in between breaths as Ken is doing this, he stops and tells Galen, those shoes, those goddamn shoes, I told her to throw them away a thousand times in like a really 
frustrated way. And then he nods towards the upper step where one of her black sandals was thrown. The other black sandal was at the bottom of the stairs. And this is when Ken explains to Galen how he thinks that Christine must have fallen while taking the dry cleaning down to the basement because she was wearing these sandals that he always told her not to wear because she had already fallen with them once. And he assumes that she was doing the dry cleaning because Christine was laying on top of a plastic laundry bag. And Ken says that she must have knocked herself out and then suffocated on the plastic, which I think is just a very weird observation to be making. And just like saying that out loud in like the midst of what is like in front of them, it's just, it's just weird to me. And then the firemen get there and they take over the resuscitation efforts, but ultimately there was nothing that they could do to save Christine. So she is pronounced dead. So once police start getting there, a lot of them are just not buying that Christine just fell down the stairs because they see the amount of blood and that just doesn't make sense to them. So right away, they're not buying it. And Ken, Carol, and Galen are all inside the house. They're not allowed to leave. So they're all waiting in the living room. And at some point during this time that they're waiting, it's reported that Ken told both Carol and Galen, I'm sorry I got you involved in this, which is just a very weird thing to say, because if it's not his fault that this happened to Christine, why, what is he sorry for getting them involved in? You know, it's almost like he's saying, I'm sorry that I had to get you involved in this plan to try to cover up me murdering my wife. Like, it's just very off to me. And then the police did some questioning inside the house. They put them in separate rooms, but ultimately they decided that they had to go to the police station. And so everyone in the police station was then placed in separate interview rooms there. And when Kara and Galen were both interviewed separately, they both said that they didn't know of any problems between Ken and Christine. They said that it was very clear that they loved each other and they didn't know about any type of financial issues either. It looked like they were very well off. And then in Ken's interview, his behavior just really struck investigators as odd because he was just slouching in his chair and he seemed very detached and just not attentive or aware to what was going on. And it is hard to make judgments because people obviously react very differently to things. But police were definitely seeing red flags and they were guiding their investigation based off of the feeling that something was off. And at one point, police asked Ken if it would be okay to search their home. And he told them, yes, that they could tear the place up. But then when it was time for him to sign the consent form, he decided that he only wanted to give consent to search the basement and the stairs. And that's just already super sus behavior to me. But ultimately, the police would be able to get a warrant if he didn't cooperate. So it didn't really end up mattering in the end. They were able to search everything, including his car. And in the car is where they found some white sneakers with blood on them. And this is going to be important later, but we're going to continue talking about the interrogation. Um, or I guess interview wasn't really an interrogation at that time. But Ken told them everything that happened from the moment that they woke up that day. And one of the investigators said that his behavior was unusual again, and that he would show emotion for certain parts of his storytelling, but it would always look very overdone. And if he wasn't overdoing it, he seemed just eerily calm. And there's actually interview footage of this interview. And throughout the whole thing, you can just kind of see what a bad actor Ken is, which is obviously not good for Ken, but probably really good for the investigators. And he got to the part of the day where he was giving Christine the breaths and he recalled seeing the black sandals that he had made a comment to Galen on earlier. 
And when he got to that part, he suddenly just got out of his seat and he was just super intense. And I'm actually going to try to insert some of that into here so that you guys can hear exactly what I'm talking about. Then I saw the black shoes. So yeah, that is what Ken was sounding like. And then back at the house, when the medical examiner had arrived, she said that there was absolutely no way that Christine could have gotten the wounds she had from just falling down the stairs. She said it looked like Christine had been hit with a blunt object. And so the death was designated as a murder right away. And Ken, at some point, had already left the police station and he was picking up his second son, John, at the airport when they called him back in to go in for more questioning. And his first son, Justin, actually tried telling Ken to go in with a lawyer, but Ken didn't listen. So it's very likely that he didn't think that the police were considering him as a suspect when they very much obviously were. So once Ken came back in, the questioning was really just centered around the white shoes and a bloody paper towel that was also found in his car that he could not explain that he said he had no idea what that was, how it got there, anything. He said that the white shoes he had used that morning to go running, but that he could have sworn that he put them back inside his closet. And when the police first mentioned to Ken that there was blood on the shoes, at first he had no reaction, but when it was brought up again, he said that he had a theory on what could have happened. He said he remembered that he and Christine were gardening about a week ago and she had cut herself and that the cut was on her right hand. And just in time to disprove some of the lies that he was saying, Christine's autopsy was done the next morning and it was found that she had 20 bruises on her face and most were on the left side of her face, which suggests that she had been struck repeatedly by a right-handed person. And there was also white pressure marks on both sides of her neck, indicating that she was strangled. There was also hemorrhaging in her neck muscles and bruising in her tongue. And the back of her head had seven lacerations where it's believed that she was struck by a blunt object and her skull was also fractured. She also had some defense wounds on her arms, but there was no gardening cut like Ken had said or suggested as to why there was possibly blood on the sneakers. And her death was ultimately caused by multiple blunt force injuries and manual strangulation, which obviously falling down the stairs would just not be able to cause these. When the reality of the situation finally started dawning on Ken, he hired a defense attorney, Tom Nolan, who had a lot of experience with homicide cases. And when the defense attorney came in, he said that it was possible that the blood on Ken's clothing was transferred to the shoes when he went out to the car to get the dogs. And alternatively, someone could have also planted the shoes there. So this means Ken is officially lawyered up and there's not going to be much more coming out of these interrogations. It was also around this time that a blood spatter expert said that he did not believe that Christine had actually been killed in the basement because there was no blood on the walls. And so that's when a search began to look for traces of blood just all over the house. And during this search, they found bloodstains on the kitchen floor, under the kitchen table, and on the sides of the leg chairs. And they also found that the blood was actually diluted, meaning that it looked like someone had tried to clean up the kitchen. So with Luminol, they were able to actually paint a very clear picture of what went down that fatal morning. It was able to kind of show all of where the cleaning was, all the spirals of the cleaning and the way that her body was dragged to the basement stairs. And so more than likely what happened was that Christine was attacked in the kitchen and then later moved to the basement. And it really just only makes sense for the suspect at hand to be the one that did it. Like, Ken is the only one that makes sense. The one thing that they couldn't quite figure out is what was the motive? Because 
at this point, police didn't know about the affair that Christine had had with Robert years ago. So that wasn't something that they were thinking about. And so the other thing that you think about is obviously like, okay, life insurance money. People do this for money all the time. But the life insurance wasn't that much money. I think it was like around 50000 But with something, like some loophole there, he would have gotten like 90 something, which just still isn't that much money. So they weren't sure that that was the reason that he did this. But Ken didn't have a solid alibi. So there was still a lot of missing pieces and all signs just still pointed to Ken. So on July 2nd, 2001, Ken's trial began and the prosecution argued that Ken killed Christine to bury the secret of Justin's paternity. And in the end, Ken was convicted of second degree murder because they weren't able to prove premeditation, but he was sentenced to 15 years to life in prison. And the murder weapon was never found and the motive still remains uncertain. And it could have been what the prosecution argued, but maybe it was about the money. Regardless, Ken always maintained his innocence, and he actually received a compassionate release parole in 2012 because of a terminal illness. So he ended up serving about 10 years um, before he was released, and he did end up dying a few months later. And that is how this case ends. So... I personally am not fully on one side or the other. I think the most likely motive had to do with the paternity of Justin. I just think the money didn't make the most sense just because it wasn't that much money. And so I think it must have been more of an outburst, like in his interviews where he has those like outbursts where he's all the way up and then a second later you'll see him just stoic again. It's very likely that he had that temper at home and maybe something just ticked him off the wrong way. And that is why he murdered Christine. And that is all for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to our second episode. And you can catch the next one out on Friday. Bye.